who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. You are listening to episode 14 of Double Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the Solar Clipper written and read by Nathan Lowell. Chapter 27, Diurnia System, 2358, July 20th. After lunch, I went back to my stateroom for a few minutes. I wasn't sure what I was going to face, so I went and hid. I told myself it was so I could look up the dates for the next testing, but it was really to hide. It was one thing to talk with Juliet and Charlotte about their rating exams. It was another to stand up in front of a mess deck full of people. As it turned out, I needn't have worried. At 1400, fortified with the date of the next testing period displayed prominently on my tablet, and after about 20 ticks of ponderation, I couldn't think of anything else that they might want to know, I headed down to the mess deck to brave the crowd. All four of them. Well, five, actually, but I didn't think Eponis was sprawled in a deck chair in the back of the mess deck in order to study. His scowling face tracked me across the room to the coffee pot and back to the table where Juliet, Charlotte, Ula, and a wiper named Raymond sat. "'Can I sit here?' I asked, indicating an empty seat at the table. "'Of course, sir,' Ula said quickly. "'We were waiting for you.' I smiled and settled with my coffee. "'So how can I help?' I asked, and that was really all it took." For the next stand and a half, they peppered me with questions. Not one of the questions had to do with the next testing date. We talked about the sequencing of ratings. It was Raymond who asked, Why don't I have to take them in order, sir? That surprised me when I heard it, too, I admitted to him. But the tests are set up so that if you haven't mastered the previous material, you can't really pass the higher test. It becomes an exercise in how far you can reach. How so, sir? I shrugged. If you wanted to go for Spec 1 power right now... I asked in return. What would the likely outcome be? The others around the table grinned at him. I probably wouldn't get it, sir, he said with a self-conscious grin. Okay, and why not? I asked. He shrugged. Well, because I don't know anything about power, sir. So, you're studying for what? Engineman? Yes, sir, he said. I just started. Just started what? Studying for engineman or aboard the ship? I queried. Oh, studying, sir, he said. I'm on my second contract. I did my first two stanniers on a UFH tanker. 
When my contract was up, I decided not to renew and got off in Diurnia. I discovered I missed it, so I signed back on with DST, but didn't have much in the way of rating, so here I am. Thought it was time to move up a bit, Sar, just in case I have to find another job. If I do, I'll be ready. So you probably know your way around the engine room pretty well right now, I pointed out to him. Why don't you try for machinists and skip enginemen? No, I couldn't, Sar, he objected. Why not? All you have to do is try for it. Worst case, you miss. Best case, you skip a rank. He looked dubious, but Charlotte Deng said, Could I do that, Sar? What, test for machinist, I asked. Do you know anything about engineering? I did like the way she giggled, very bubbly. No, Sar, she said, able spacer. Can I skip ordinary and go for the able spacer test? Of course, I replied with a shrug. The rules are that if you take the test and pass, you're automatically granted the subordinate rates. But the tests only come around every 90 days, Sar, Juliet pointed out. If you miss it, you have to wait another 90 days to try again for the lower rank. Wouldn't it make more sense to take them in order to make sure you get the building blocks firmly in place? Well, that's why I say it's an exercise in how far you can reach, I told her. Yes, it's a risk, and a lot of people just build the ratings one on another. The four of them looked at each other and then back at me. They weren't convinced. I could see it in their faces. It's not a complete shot in the dark, you know, I told them. Why is that, sir? Juliet asked. The study materials have practice tests included in them. Take the practice test. If you get in the top 5%, you can probably pass the exam. If you don't score more than half, you're probably over your head. If you come somewhere in the middle, then it's a pretty good chance you can pass the test if you study, I explained. Raymond looked thoughtful for about five heartbeats, and then said, So I can use the practice test to see where I should be studying to move up, sir? Precisely, Mr. Raymond, I told him. Humor me. Whatever you're thinking of studying, go to the next higher rating and try that practice test. See what you find out. But I haven't studied that material yet, sir, Ula said in dismay. Yes, Miss Nart, that's the idea. If you can get half the answers on the practice test before you even study, the probabilities are good that you could learn the other half with some judicious application of study time. Juliet, ever the practical one, asked, If this is so easy, why don't more people do it, sir? I don't know, Miss Jackson, I admitted. It seems the most sensible way to approach it to me, but I'm not a spacer. My mom was an ancient lit professor. At that, they all looked around the table at each other, as if that explained everything. Perhaps it did, I mused. Somebody said you were rated before you went to the academy, sir, Raymond said. Is that true? Yes, Mr. Raymond, I was rated, I admitted. I took my share of the ratings exams. How many did you take, sir? Charlotte asked. I had to count on my fingers and I counted them out loud as I did. Four half share, two full share, plus spec two environmental, spec one systems, eight, I think. There was a test for spec two systems, but that wasn't a written test. Yeah, I think that's all. After four years of the academy, it's hard to remember. When I looked up, there were four pairs of eyes bugging out at me. What? I asked. You're rated in all four divisions, sir, Mr. Raymond finally managed to say. Well, yeah, I was, I said, but now I'm third mate. Juliet slapped her hand on the table then and said, Well, she looked around at her cohort and added, I don't know about you, but I think I'm going to take a practice exam or two. They all fumbled for tablets and started punching up content. Any advice on the specialist rates, sir? Juliet asked after working for a tick or two. Spec 3 is really easy. It's only a little more difficult than the divisional full share, but it has the bare minimum additional information for that specialty. If you know anything about the specialty field, look at Spec 2, I told her. Drop back to Spec 3 if you score below a 50. 
Spec 1 is not impossible, but they tend to break out with Spec 2 being the nuts and bolts and Spec 1 being the theory. Thank you, sir. Very helpful, she said, without looking up. I picked up my cup and walked over to the urn for a refill. I watched Opponus watching me out of the corner of my eye. He was not a terribly happy spacer. I crossed to him with my full cup and nodded a greeting without attempting to sit. Do you have any questions about testing, Mr. Opponus? You looking to pick up a few grades of pay, I asked. He snorted. Yeah, I'm going to run for king of the world, he said. I'll be sure to check with you if I decide to take the test for it. Excellent, Mr. Opponus. I'm sure we'll all be watching for that day. He smirked as if he'd somehow been funny or something, and I just went back to the group. It took them a few ticks to get through the practice tests. I knew from experience that they could take up to a full stand, but I waited. Ulanart finished first with a bright grin. She turned her tablet around to show the 74% score. I checked, and she really had done the Able Spacer test. I gave her a thumbs up and a smile. Eventually, everybody finished. Charlotte Dang got the lowest score with a 60% against Able Spacer. Okay, everybody, I said when the initial jubilation had run its course. You got a boost, but now you need to buckle down. If you go through the lessons, do the exercises as you go, and pay attention to what you're doing, you'll be fine. There's still a few weeks left to study and not a lot else going on here, so you should have plenty of time to learn enough to jump a rank. They all looked so jubilant, I felt like I needed to temper their expectations. Remember that you can only earn the rating, which only means you can apply for a better position. The ship's not obligated to hire you for one, nor pay you at the higher rate for your current post, I said, as sternly as I could, looking around the table. Juliet said, Are you kidding, sir? With the turnover on this ship, those jobs get refilled almost every port. Still, I said, don't get too excited over it. It will qualify you for more positions, but you're still going to have to convince people who hire spacers that you're a good shipmate. I was still being blinded by the smiles around the table, but I was cautiously optimistic that the message got through. Okay, I've got the watch tomorrow afternoon, but why don't we plan to meet the day after, I said. If you have any questions, need any advice, or would like some feedback other than what the tablets can give you, see me then, okay? Nods bobbed around the table, and I headed back to my stateroom to get changed up. It was almost 15.30, and that gave me enough time for good workout before dinner. As I left the mess deck, I noticed that Opponus had disappeared as well. Perhaps he'd get bored, but I thought more likely he'd gone to report to Mr. Burnside. Chapter 28, Diurnia System, 2358, August 10th. Once you get into the routine of being underway, the tick-tock of the watch cycle, wake, work, sleep, repeat, it's hard to have awareness. Usually this shift to grayness, the brain blur, is disconcerting. I always felt it was a kind of mixed blessing. On the one hand, if you were really aware of every day as it crawled past, Everyone identical, nothing really changing except the meal on your plate. Same people, same clothes, same activities, day after day after day after day. You'd probably just step out an airlock from boredom. On the other hand, there was a kind of mental buffering that protected you from realizing just how many days had passed, how many were left. And the internal buffer just refreshes without a lot of effort or thought. Wake, work, sleep, repeat. As a crewman, I thought of this as the merry-go-round of watch-standing. Your world shrinks to the people who are in your watch section, awake when you are, eating when you do, going to the gym when you do. 
The rest of the crew is on the other side of the carousel, and while you catch glimpses of them between the horses as the whole thing rotates, you really don't get much chance to do more than wave. People who were day workers, like the mess deck crew, were like people watching the merry-go-round spin. As a watchstander, you'd see them from a different angle, but never really stopped to talk as they swung by, once per revolution. On the tinker, as an officer isolated in the wardroom and stateroom, my world shrank even more. Say what you will about the lack of privacy in the birthing areas, at least there were people around. Mel and Freddy were constants at mealtimes, when I could get to the wardroom to eat. Arletta and I became really good friends. Something about sharing a head, I think. It's hard to maintain romantic illusions when digestion and its byproducts get involved. It was just as well. I certainly didn't want to open that door with all the rest of the bunk jumping that appeared to be going on in the ship. Without the mental blur, I might have found it depressing. Juliet and Charlotte were the only people I saw for any amount of time on a regular basis, and I have to give them a lot of credit for keeping me amused. Juliet had a dry, quick-wittedness about her that could find something bitingly humorous in the darkest situation. Charlotte was one of those unnaturally upbeat people who seemed to be smiling all the time and able to find the joy in the most mundane of activities. They helped make the blur tolerable, and I'd like to think I held up my end as well. The thing about the blur is, it really doesn't take a lot to break it. Something will happen, it's like a sudden noise in the night. You go from asleep to awake all at once. Sometimes you're aware of what it was that you heard, and sometimes you wake up only to the memory of noise and no conscious awareness of what it might have been. About 32 days out of diurnia, and only a couple away from transition, I woke up from that blur when I stepped onto the mess deck for our afternoon tutorial session and realized almost every table had somebody at it. Granted, one of the tables was being monopolized by Epona's in his usual position against the far bulkhead. That was his unofficial watch station when first section had the duty. He never said anything, just glowered at me and the group. For our part, we ignored him. Still, looking around the mess deck, I realized that this wasn't something new. The numbers had been growing for weeks. From that first four, we picked up a lot of crew from the engineering staff. That wasn't surprising, given the number of them as a proportion of the whole. The only people from deck division who weren't involved were the Astrogation Spec 2, De Silva, and Opponas, who may as well have been, given the amount of time he spent glaring. Even Mallory, the first section's helm watch, participated on days when he didn't have the watch. He was working on his Spec 1 in ship handling. I drew a mug full of coffee and started circulating. My fear that I'd wind up as some kind of teacher standing in front of the group never materialized, when we'd outgrown one table, which we had by the second meeting, we split up by division and then by level. Ula and Charlotte had their heads together over the able spacer tests. Betts and Jackson were working on spec two and ship handling. Three enginemen, Lignaria, Van Dalen from Power, and Cottonwood from Environmental, were working on spec three power. Zhang was working on a spec two in Grav. The stand from 1400 to 1500 was designated study stand on the mess deck and it was the only time I really saw a group of the crew in one place. I confess it felt good to be wandering from table to table and visiting with them. They seemed so, I don't know, grateful. It never ceased to amaze me. By the time my stand was up, I'd visited with everybody. Most had things under control, but there were a couple of issues that I was able to help with. I didn't necessarily answer questions directly, but we were able to find somebody who could. A lot of times, that's better anyway. I refilled my coffee cup and headed back to my stateroom. 
As usual, Apollonis wasn't at his table any longer. I don't know if it was a function of his watch standing, bad timing on my part, or perhaps he was reporting to Burnside about the training. Whatever it was, I found it odd that he was always gone before I left. I shrugged it off. At least he wasn't bothering the people who were trying to study. I headed for my cabin to change into workout clothes. I knew there was just enough time for a nice run, a little Tai Chi, and a hot shower before dinner. After dinner, I'd be ready for a little nap before watch. As I headed down the passageway into officer's country and past the cabin, I heard the door open behind me and looked back to see Bayless slipping out. Again. He saw me looking and ducked his head and walked quickly away. I shrugged and kept going myself, but as I changed it occurred to me that I'd seen Bayless or one of the other engineering crew coming out of the cabin or walking along the passageway. A lot. By a lot, I didn't mean every day. Maybe a couple times a week. Bayless, or this other guy, I couldn't think of his name, but my mind provided the face. They'd be in the passageway. It's not terribly unusual to see crew in officer's country, but to see the same two and near the cabin, not further down the passage near Mel's stateroom, that was curious. I wondered if these two were Mel's problem children. I shrugged it off at any rate, not my division, not my problem, and I had a few kilometers to run before dinner. When I got to the gym, the tall power section engineman, Lignaria, was just getting off the treadmill, and she nodded at me with a friendly smile as we traded places. "'Watch out for that pothole around twenty clicks, sir,' she said. "'It was a standing joke with us, since I'd caught my running shoe on the tread one day when we'd been running together. "'I'd been horribly embarrassed and made an offhand joke about finding the pothole. "'She thought it was much funnier than it was, and it had become a kind of ritual with us. "'Yes, thanks,' I said with a grin as I finished my stretches. "'I punched out my favorite program, and as the tread started to spin up, "'I let the endorphins take me and zoned into the running.' Nearly a full stand passed before I was even aware of it, and the programmed tread slowed to a cool-down cycle. It felt great. I toweled off some of the excess sweat, got a drink of water to replace some of what I'd lost, and stepped onto the floor for some Tai Chi. I found a combination of a long run, followed by a good session of Tai Chi to be the best response to the day-to-day grind. It bled off excess stress and recentered me. Burnside's petty abuses leaving puddles of coffee on the deck of the bridge, smearing the armor-glass ports with granapple jam, and even once leaving something that looked and smelled too fecal for comfort in the watchstander's chair. They didn't matter. Opponus's constant potential for mayhem melted away. I focused on my hand position. I paid attention to my weight distribution. I sighed as Mosler and Opponus entered the gym. Well, look at the purdy dance, Opponis said to Mosler. Don't he dance good, Herm? Real nice, Mosler answered. Kind of girly, but some guys like that, don't they? Oh, yeah, they do, Opponis said. They closed the distance and stood just off the cleared exercise floor. I ignored them. You like dancing purdy, Ishi? Opponis said. I kept my form moving smoothly. I think he likes it, Rick, Mosler said. Yeah, maybe we just traded sissies, he said with a low chuckle. Maybe he's a girly man, Mosler replied. You gentlemen crossed the line of insubordination some time ago, I said. I hoped I said it calmly because I wasn't feeling terribly calm. I did manage to keep the woo form going, but I was required to warn them before I did anything rash. And what are you going to do about that, girly man, Opponis said. 
Probably nothing, I admitted, feeling the calming of the chi moving through me. My body was remembering the push-hands exercises I'd done with Kurt on the way out from Newmar. He'd worked with me for stan after stan. While his skills were somewhat rougher than Sifu Numar's polished grace, they were much more appropriate to what I knew was inevitably coming. At least, nothing at the moment, I told them. Ah, girly man afraid, Mosler said with a sing-songy baby-talk voice. I let the chi take me, the movement smooth, deliberate, balanced. I was suspended from the top of my head and a spike of chi ran through my center. I closed my eyes. Opponents laughed, a deep ha-ha kind of laugh, almost a chortle. Look, Herm, he's closed his eyes so he can pretend we're not here. Peekaboo, Ishi. I heard Opponents step closer to me. I stepped sideways and felt the wind of his hand slide past my face, and I actually heard him grunt from surprise. I slipped sideways again, spinning into a slant single whip as he stepped again. I knew he was going to put his weight into this one, so I moved to step back and ride the tiger as his body filled the space I'd just left. A quick turn body, slap face, palm, pushed him off balance, and he sprawled onto the deck, taking Mosler down with him as he slid. It happened quickly. I centered myself and stopped the form. Only then did I open my eyes. Mosler was still trying to get out from under Aponis, and Aponis was looking at me when my eyes opened. If you gentlemen would kindly take yourselves out of my sight, I won't have to close my eyes again, I told them. Yes, it was cheap theatrics. Almost. Kurt had taught me the trick of listening with almost closed eyes. It was nothing mystical. I could see just a bit of shape and movement, and in the quiet of the exercise room, every motion of their bodies made a sound I could hear, cloth on cloth, foot on deck, even breathing since neither of them was trying to control it. They huffed like steam engines. I stood there, waiting, while they untangled themselves and stood up. I could see opponents wasn't done, but Mosler had a bit of wild-eyed look. My performance had unnerved him. I don't think he would have prevented opponents from trying again, but he was already taking a step backwards when Cottonwood and Van Allen came into the gym, joking and horsing around. They looked curiously at the three of us standing at the end of the room, but stepped up onto the treadmills and began a workout. I smiled at opponents. Tsk. Witnesses, I said. Now scat before they see you get beaten up by a girly man. Mosler had seen the two enter and was already pulling Opona's back. Come on, Rick, he hissed. Let's go. Opona's let himself be tugged back a step or two before turning as if it were his own idea and walking purposefully out of the gym. The two engineering crew ignored him but looked curiously at me as I limbered up for one yang short form to steady myself before I followed them out into the passageway. By the time I was done, I felt almost okay again. I made it back to my stateroom and into the head before I threw up. Thanks for listening to Double Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the solar clipper. The music is a medley of jigs, eavesdroppers, both meat and drink, and Off We Go by Great Big Sea from their self-titled debut album. Find this and other songs by Great Big C at music.podshow.com. This has been a presentation from Durandus, offered under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 U.S. License. For website and more information on the Golden Age, visit www.solarclipper.com. <laughs>